see my wedding <laughs> be honest where did, did you go to like some cheap place for the ring because like mine is like amazon for like nine bucks <laughs> yeah i got mine on like uh etsy or something you know somebody's little etsy shop where they make rings etsy ring yeah nice. i do i'm pretty happy i'm pretty happy with it all right yeah it's i think it's better than like you know it's a step above just like first google result yeah you know ring uh and i'm pretty happy with it it's got a couple scratches and dings in it already but i'm not complaining it's okay it's it's, it's the scars of life that will happen it's fine andrew well, I, I also i hope you don't mind because i have a slice of pizza and a papa john's cheesy breadstick right here off camera and i'm probably gonna take a few bites as we do this episode but I, as you bite i will i will yeah. jamber and just kind of eat take a time it's fine in my in my defense when you have the same guest on the podcast for three or four episodes in a row the cracks start to show you know what i mean it's okay it's it's, it's, it's like an old marriage at this point we're just very comfortable with each other that's so. that's right yeah hey i was on william Keane's uh youtube game show a couple weeks ago and i like scarfed down a calzone right before we started so i i totally get it i mean like a whole fucking calzone yes yeah that's the uh and i, I mean you got a car you got a carbo load before doing a podcast sometimes Absolutely. sometimes during a podcast especially this this episode so we are talking about santa with muscles and i thought i had seen the worst hulk hogan shit ever but <laughs> once again man is clancy my co-host today you you top it off you find the worst shit out there that makes no sense and i've seen johnny tsunami thanks to your wife <laughs> this may have beaten Johnny Tsunami. Wow. Because Johnny Tsunami was boring. Mm-hmm. This just made no damn sense. But yeah, I enough so that like I'm committed in the whole time. I'm I'm treating this like as if you're a kid. I'm like, I'm doing this for Manus. That was the entire reason I kept saying I'm watching this movie. I'm doing this for Manus. Oh, I was doing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off by it, saying it's a crazy premise. All right. So we have Donald, no, sorry, Blake Thorne, which you find out not even his real name. Mm-hmm. Blake Thorne, a millionaire, which you don't really know how he's a millionaire. The, the, the yeah. one, one website description says he's a former wrestler, but I think that was not accurate. I think it just says yeah. a wrestler Hulk Hogan is what they meant. Right. That is not clearly stated in the movie. Uh, I, he seems to have made it rich off of some uh, some sort of like, you know, health food and health supplements and maybe like a workout uh you know regime or something like that uh or routine rather uh that's the impression i got but like none of that is really clearly stated you just see him appear on like cereal boxes and uh like you know uh you know bowls full of creatine and stuff like that dressings with only three calories exactly yeah yeah uh, all you really all all that we really know about him before he spoiler alert if you haven't watched the movie yet gets amnesia and thinks that he's Santa Claus is that he's like a sort of like violent psychopath millionaire like that's that's how they introduce him the good guy of the movie violent psychopath is the least way to describe that because the opening scene of the movie aside from a little girl writing a a letter to Santa the next scene is him on his compound estate getting attacked by what I thought was like a movie set, but it Mm -hmm. ends up being the employees of his estate, like his chef, his driver, his butler. They're all attacking him with like tacky, like Kung Fu martial arts. Like they're like the one guy who had like a crowbar was going like spinning around his knuckle so badly. And then he got beat with it. And then Mm -hmm. all it ends with is with, uh, Blake's character saying, uh, pause, uh, time out. Like, I'm just tired. Like, I just, I'm just bored now. I'm like, wait, wait, you, all right, we'll get to this in a second. But yes, that the, the infuriating premise of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the, he seems to have one of those like, uh, Pink Panther arrangements where like all his employees and manservants like are also tasked with trying to kill him at unexpected times. And routinely, routinely, yes. because there's a the part where like he's bummed out. And like the guy, like pretends to attack him, and he's like, "Oh, he he's not mm. into it." I'm like, "What? What? Why are you into this?" Yeah, and also because like the movie cuts from opening narration 
which basically just says there's a bad guy in town and he's going to close down our orphanage straight to Hulk Hogan doing all this stuff and being like an asshole millionaire who likes to beat people up. You like I assumed he was the bad guy or something. I thought this was going to turn out to be some sort of like Ebenezer Scrooge situation where the bad guy has a change of heart. But no, the good guy is introduced as a millionaire psychopath who beats up his employees and then takes them on paintball excursions where that end in him shooting at police officers in a brazen chase down highways. All right, let's start breaking it down before we spoil the whole <laughs> shitty movie. Oh my We're going to ask, Mandis and I are going to break down hot topic questions where I'm going to ask Mandis some questions and I'm going to break down the, the 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 series with him as well. Then we'll take a break, give a shout out to our sponsor, and then we're going to do some buy and sell, which is a statement. We're going to have a little debate back and forth here. Hot topic number one. These top these questions are really hard, by the way. I just want you to know, like I struggle <laughs> with these. Hot topic number one of Santa with Muscles. Why did I get a horror movie vibe at the beginning with the opening credits? Like it's like a dark kind of tone, Christmassy music, and then like yeah. the red font at night. I'm like, is is this a murder movie? What the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. It it had horror movie vibes. I totally agree with you. Uh, I think part of it was like the like the footage. Like there's some sort of like whatever the perspective of the camera was like felt unnatural the way it was panning around a little bit and then it settled on this creepy house uh which we would find out later is the home of the bad guy uh ebner frost uh played by ed begley jr uh and he's got like it looks like a pretty standard like sort of brick small mansion uh but he's got these topiaries that are all wrapped in plastic that look like dead bodies and then he's got these jets of steam that were never explained and i cannot tell what purpose they serve but they just shoot out all around his house every few minutes and i mean if that doesn't give you like horror movie vibes like i don't know what does like it's a creepy looking house the little girl narration is not meant to be creepy but it is in the way that like little girls in horror movies are creepy sometimes and just the editing and the camera movements are all feel just like uneasy and unnatural it's a really off-putting start to what is ultimately a very physically disorienting movie it's it's beyond numbing at the beginning number two (laughs) hot topic so blake employs all martial artists or do they just comply to his exercises that's the thing that's the thing i was wondering like do they all happen to know prerequisite to coming on board as an employee of the Blake Thorne estate? Do they have to know martial arts or do they just wing it as they go? <laughs> that is the impression that I got was that they are highly specialized. They are a chef who also does martial arts and is trained in martial arts, a driver who does martial arts and is trained in martial arts. That was the vibe that I was getting from these guys because even though Hulk Hogan defeated them pretty handily with his like two or three punches and kicks, like one of them broke out like a jumping, spinning back kick, I think at one point. Uh, they seemed to know what they were doing and they had plenty of like super uh, racist, stereotypical kung fu noises, which is how in the 80s and 90s you would denote someone being good at uh, martial arts. Th- these white guys. There was one was one black guy. I don't remember what he was. I think he was the driver, which is very stereotypical, by the way. Blake Thorne just saying. Come on, Blake. Uh, hot topic number three. So this is a quote from the movie. I don't know if you remember, but they're in the Santa's workshop. The mall manager's freaking out because she's trying to find a Santa to wear the suit. And then one of the guys says, well, I got a midget in a clown costume. So this this is the question. Would a midget in a clown costume suffice as a replacement for Santa? no those uh before they show uh the backstage uh of the sort of goings on of a of a mall santa production they showed the crowd and those kids and parents are like they are fucking ravenous for santa claus let me tell you if you broke out they're gonna uh, riot yeah if you broke out uh, a little person in a clown costume that's not gonna cut it i mean I, you know, under other circumstances, I'm entertained. You know, I love a good clown show, but if I'm there waiting for Santa and I'm waiting to see my 
get my kid's picture with Santa, which I know is important to a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the clown costume is not going to cut it. You need the, you need the genuine article. How does one believe they're Santa just because they woke up in the costume? So <laughs> going back to this, so the, so the premise again, Blake Thorne is a crazy millionaire who just has a time of his life uh, does high speed chases with the cops for fun, gets away with it, especially when he's a, by the way, he was playing paintball with his buddies. Did you know there's only three paintballs in the paintball gun? Yeah, he did not load up that tank all the way. Yeah. Maybe so, he just has that kind of confidence in his like tactical skill. I only need three three rounds. I'll take out this whole squad. Or it's one of those where it's like um maybe he's like the Dave, what is it, Dave Ramsey of millionaires? Like, now you can buy an entire paintball set, or you can just use three balls, conserve the rest. That way you spend less money and you have more fun. You're you're constraining (laughs) your spending that way. But yeah, so he goes, runs away from the cops. The cops chase him down, by the way, like Clint, Clint Howard. Let's, we'll get to that later. Anyway, um, (laughs) he hides in what's like an elevator shaft kind of falls. Yeah. A garbage chute of some kind. He's hanging on by his fingertips, trying to evade the police. And then he sustains a brutal head injury and falls down and has some sort of uh, temporary amnesia. In which case, Lenny is just like eating it up. The elf, the grown man playing an elf. Yeah. Uh uh, Bob from that '70s show. Uh, some people might recognize him as. as wait, we had a little uh, that '70s show uh, pre-union on this. We had Mila Kunis and uh, Bob uh, Pensiati from that '70s show on this movie. I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, Mila Kunis's voice has never changed in her entire life. It's always like that deadpan Valley Girl, Russian yeah. Valley Girl. Even now, you could tell in this movie she was the most talented actor. On, oh, by on far the, on the set. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Lenny finds this uh, unconscious man, presumably recognizes him, and he, he takes his wallet to like get his ATM card and all his cash out of there. Uh, but uh, you know, Hulk Hogan wakes up. He says, "Well, who am I?" Uh, and credit to Hulk Hogan, you totally believe him as a man who has a brain injury throughout this whole movie. Uh, he really pull, he really plays that part well. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, like in my mind, if I have amnesia, you just kind of forget everything except for like motor and language skills. Right. Presumably okay. if someone, if someone, if I go, Oh, where am I? Who am I? And you say you're Santa Claus, I'm going to say who's Santa Claus, you know, or it's, or it's just not going to have any meaning to me. The fact that he so quickly connects to, Oh yeah. Jolly old St. Nick. I ride around in a sleigh. It just kind of baffles me, but it, so it, it's another like a thing. Fake beard. It's like, yeah, I'm Santa Claus, but I have this giant fake beard. <laughs> yeah yeah oh i'm santa claus this beard he he establishes later that he hates wearing the beard which i bet was a real hulk hogan thing he was like oh if this movie's gonna sell you gotta show my face as much as possible you know but it, it doesn't make any sense to me it just it re- really lends to the sense of like unreality and the impossible universe that this whole movie takes place in hot topic number five it's 1996 how the hell do ATMs have fingerprint scanners on them? <laughs> Dude, I had the same thought. I was like, I don't like ATM scanners don't even now have fingerprint scanners. No, I went to right? one today and it was like a shitty BB&T one. And I was like, there's there's like the audio jack for like, you know, hearing impaired. That's like the most advanced thing on this screen. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. And the thing is, like, it had a fingerprint reader, but it still wasn't a touchscreen ATM. Like touchscreen ATM exists now, fingerprint uh, reader ATM does not exist. But they had like they were just. It's just funny how off they were in like what will be futuristic technology in this small way, you know, like the most, but not really in the, in that prediction. Speaking of prediction, so this question skips ahead. There's other questions that will come to be, but uh. So for those listening, if you spoiler, if you actually want to see the movie, if you don't, you're not missing much. So the evil scientist, Ebner Frost, which crazy name, uh, wants to destroy this orphanage 
to get to the underground mine below the orphanage's property. That's right. Get some kind of radiated material to like profit off of basically. Right. So the, the court in the course of the movie, uh, Hulk Hogan, Santa Claus kind of discovers that the orphanage is the final piece of uh, Ebner Frost's plan. And like every indication you get from this movie is that it's just some kind of real estate scam. You know, you see, you know, that's what you see from every sort of like big bet, big business, bad guy uh, in movies of this generation. And still today you just think, Oh, he's buying up this whole neighborhood. Cause he's going to turn it into some like shitty futuristic mall or something. But no, Hulk Hogan thinks to ask the employees at the orphanage, man, Ebner Frost really wants this place. What's underneath the orphanage. And they respond, Oh, you know, pipes, water line, power lines, stuff like that. And the three spunky kids who are tagging along with Hulk Hogan throughout this movie, they go, well, there's also that huge vault down there. <laughs> like there's a huge vault door. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we know three fourths of the code. And then somehow Hulk Hogan magically knows what the, uh, the fourth piece of the code is. It's totally absurd. And then even more insane beyond that is that, I'm sorry. It's hard not to laugh just thinking about it, but there are irradiated crystals that give off natural electricity that are worth millions of dollars beyond this door. And that's what Ed Begley Jr. wants. That's so speaking, what speak, wants. speaking of the door, that is the, that was the next question. And I wrote it exactly as, wait, how the hell did he know the end of that combo? <laughs> well, get this, kids. It turns out that Hulk Hogan Santa Claus... <gasps> And Ebner Frost not only grew up in this orphanage together and have seemingly wiped their minds of those memories, they were also best friends. Okay. So I guess the code to the vault is like passed down amongst the orphans. And at some point, a chunk of it was lost. And Hulk Hogan was the last guy to know it. He didn't pass it on, presumably. But this is me. Like, none of this is in like the foreground of this movie. It's all like none of this is clearly stated. He just seems to magically know uh, that this the fourth piece of this code. By the way, the three writers who created this movie, this is the only thing they've ever written ever. Nothing before it, nothing after it. I thought that was like the most weird IMDb fact that somebody in a Hollywood studio was like, these guys. Yes, let's do it. Let's green light this shit and get Hulk Hogan in here. Yeah, it really screams to me like three guys were sitting around or really I bet like one guy was sitting around just thought of the title Hollywood or uh, Santa with muscles and it was like that'll sell. That's the whole premise. And then the other two guys were just like script doctors who just wrote a bunch of bullshit around this weak premise. That's my prediction. My prediction is that they were much like when you're an improviser and you're doing too many bits, kind of like when you're a kid and you're like ruining the scene by doubling down and adding more weird shit that makes no sense to the premise. I think that's what they're like. Hey, 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 what if follow me here? What if this guy gets amnesia? Eh? What if he happens to save an orphanage? <gasps> Wait, and he's from that orphanage. Huh? And oh, <laughs> revelation, the bad guy, the true bad guy, also was this from this orphanage, and they were like BFFs. <laughs> yeah, you uh I think you said this movie came out in 1996, right? Yeah. I think this movie really pulled from a lot of things that were just a little bit earlier in the 90s. You know what I mean? And we're trying to capitalize on some of those trends. I think the scene where they discover the glowing electric crystals in the basement. I was like, this movie is going like full Goonies or something. And then like the scene where Ebner Frost finally leaves his house because on top of everything else, he's also like an OCD germaphobe and he's wearing the big, like basically a space suit down there. I was like, this is giving me ET vibes for some reason. And then the whole like reveal that they were childhood best friends just feels like such a fucking like, 90s trope 
to me at this point in time. Like, I really think they were just like cherry picking some of the, you know, uh, biggest tropes of the time. Plus all the, we didn't even talk about Ebner Frost's goons who are all also doctors of weird, different weird sciences and stuff. It just, it really feels like they're just trying to like capitalize on a number of different trends and none of it works. It just creates this, like it's when you, it, it, it's exactly like you said, it's too many bits in a, in a scene, in a comedy show. It's too many toppings on a pizza. You know, it's all these things. Yeah. It was, it, I feel like the writers of Austin Powers 3 took the premise of the end of Santa with Muscle and was like, we got to add that as the twist to Dr. Evil and um, Austin Powers. What if they were both from an orphanage and they were brothers? Huh? <laughs> like, that's exactly what this fucking movie did to me. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Austin Powers is making fun of this thing, and here here we are. It's a deep it, it, cut that no one got. No, I no, I I I totally I know the reference, and uh, it's like you know they're doing it uh, in, in in parody, and Santa with muscles is doing it unironically, and it's it's just no good. Speaking of unironically, so the next question is: there were two scenes where the the scientists attempt to fight. Hulk Hogan, except and then the the final one at like the orphanage itself in the church inside of it, right? But in particular, the last scene after two of the scientists try to fight him at night with no weapons, by the way, because this guy is massive. It's six five and like twenty four inch pythons, brother. But <laughs> no one brings a weapon to the fight, and these guys are like the smartest quote unquote people in the world. Remember, they were like rejected, you know, whatever scientists in their field, right. and they happen to come together. But like the end, this the the one scientist who's trying to flirt with the mom, whatever, has like a ruler as like his weapon. That's to right. Threaten yeah. the family. <laughs> yeah. What the hell did he intend to do with the ruler? Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. He is sort of like the uh like uh first mate of uh the the number one bad guy since they wrote a number one bad guy who can't leave his home they need to have another guy come in and do most of the like heavy lifting that a bad guy needs to do which means like interacting and like the the sequence of the fights in this movie are so insane because first he fights two of the four goon scientists that we see there, there's uh the the number one goon is like a medical doctor then there's another one who is like an archaeologist then there is another one named dr watt who is a a woman with like a uh, shocker from Spider-Man gloves where she can like blow open doors and electrocute people, but she never uses the powers really until the very end. Yes. Yeah. And then the fourth one is a guy named Dr. Vile, who I think his whole thing is making like poisons and stink bombs and stuff like that. Like that was his whole deal. If I remember correctly, uh, and the sequence of fighting is first he fights the medical doctor guy and Dr. Vile, the stink bomb guy. And he he defeats them both handily. They try to escape in a fucking ice cream truck and he grabs a chain hanging from the back of the ice yeah, cream truck. Yeah, why an ice cream it. truck? Why? I, I think that I think it was just sort of some sort of weird like they were trying to like sneak up on the orphanage at night or something, even though they announced their presence every other time. But Hulk Hogan stops a fucking ice cream truck and in, like in its not tracks even yeah, not with even a chain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in the edit, they show a wide shot of Hulk Hogan holding onto the chain with the ice cream truck just stopped on the road. And the chain is not taut. Like it's a loose hanging chain. It's it's just such such bullshit. But he fights those two guys, he defeats them handily. Then later he fights one of those guys, chases him up to a roof, beats the shit out of him, like hits two or three straight haymakers to the face and it sounds like this guy has a death rattle and he collapses to the ground and then hulk hogan gets knocked out of the church tower that they're in into a garbage truck by a animatronic santa right and then the other guy just gets up and continues on his evil ways that's that's the moment so that, that's the second fight and then the third fight is not not only the four villains that we've established but also like they just throw in like three more goons in the last 10, 15 minutes who we've not seen previously uh, just out of nowhere, just to the give goons extra of goons. Yes. Yeah. The gooniest goons you've ever seen. One of them, I think is Brutus, the barber beefcake, and he's doing 
a terribly racist sumo wrestler impression then it gets knocked out with one kick uh it's just wild like the progression and the addition and subtraction of different characters and stuff it's just all so fucking weird i'm telling you like this movie just like it was like an out-of-body experience how does no one recognize quote the richest guy in 10 states which by the way i don't know what that even means but that was a line from lenny it was like <laughs> blake thorne the richest guy in 10 states i'm like what the fuck does that mean like that yeah that's a that's a that feels like a line that was written in like 1956 and just was kept in some producer's back pocket for forever you know he's like at some point i'm gonna you know mention in a movie that this guy's the richest guy in 10 states i think that feels cool but even in 1996 when this came out that was not a helpful way to like describe someone's wealth and nobody knew who the richest guy in each state was anymore at this time. It doesn't make any sense, but also, yeah. Why don't people recognize them? He's on the children's cereal box. Uh, they must've eaten that cereal before, you know, he's on all sorts of stuff. I do think the adults at the orphanage recognize him. I think, uh, the, the wise old black guy at the, uh, at the orphanage, like, he gives a few hints throughout the movie that he remembers uh, and ultimately reveals that he remembers Hulk Hogan's character from when he was a kid and is like proud of him for changing. But like, yeah, other people would totally recognize him. I don't get it. He didn't say he, anything. Very into it. Like Blake, come here. I want to talk to you. By the way, mm-hmm. the great, the great Garrett Moore is a Saturday Night Live fame. Yes. Yeah. A great, great actor. He's in so much stuff. There are a lot of there are some good actors in this, some really good like character actors, uh, but they just like they don't get that much to do. You know what I mean? Like Clint Howard is the only guy who's really like used well, and even but even his role feels super like very superfluous to the whole movie. Next question: Why would Blake waste his products on a cop chase? When all he had to do is just lure them to the orphanage as witnesses, but he's purposely <laughs> fucking with them at the end, like let's, let's lose him, and like throws the cereal, the powder, the salad dressing to do the slip and roll, whatever. Like, <laughs> what is the point of this? I don't know. I think that's just like more of his memory is coming back, and he's starting to turn into that violent psychopath millionaire again. I think he just loves wreaking havoc on police officers, specifically. Just in the, in the in the look of that salad dressing was just gross. It was like a clear, oh. peppery. It looked like it looked like if crystal clear Pepsi made a salad dressing, that's what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, it's all his products look absolutely disgusting. There's a moment where they where uh, uh, Lenny is pouring cereal onto an egg. Don't ask me why. Just watch the movie. All right, he's pouring cereal onto an egg, and you look at the cereal, and the whole the whole thing just looks disgusting. It's unsettling to look at. All his products look like crap. I never understood that either because he was always trying to protect Blake's identity so no one could recognize but him. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, are you looking out for him? Or are you trying to screw him over? I can't tell which one here. So Yeah, it's kind of tough. Like, you really never buy that Lenny is actually a bad guy. Like, at the beginning, he's a little bit annoying. Uh, and you see him do bad stuff and he interacts with the bad guys. He's like kind of indebted to them for a gambling. I think he has a gambling debt or something. But like you never like in the performance, it never really comes through like, oh, this guy's kind of a sleaze bag, and we can't trust him. But the characters don't know that and it's creating tension. You know, you just always know from the get go that Lenny is going to become a, a good guy, you know, and is a good guy. It's just that type of performance. Uh, the performance gives it that quality, even though it, for this movie to succeed, you want the audience to kind of believe uh, he's not actually that good of a guy for, for at least a little while to get the satisfaction out of his face turn at the end of the movie. I mean, Hulk Hogan, of all people, should know about that. As, speaking of stuff that he should have known, uh, since when do cops have bazookas? <laughs> Oh my God. The bazooka thing. Like I think by the time it happened in the movie, cause it happens during like the final chase. I think 
I think like I watched it and it didn't even register with me mentally anymore what was going on. I was so thrown by everything else in the movie that I was like, yeah, of course that cop has a straight up bazooka. And of course he fired it in the middle of Main Street, you know, at another car, you know. It just seemed like at that point that was the made the most sense in the whole world. No, this is what makes more sense in the world. The final hot topic question here. It's not really a question. All I wrote down was the final fight between Blake and a white sumo, a.k.a. Brutus Beefcake. Yes. Yeah. So this is what I was talking about, right? They introduced two or three more like sort of more muscly goons at the end of the movie. And one of them is, if you don't know him, folks, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Uh, Another, you know pretty famous professional wrestler from the eighties and nineties who also happens to be Hulk Hogan's best friend in the whole world. Uh, he got a small role in this movie as one of these like superfluous goons that they had at the very last minute. And he's got like a Fu Manchu mustache, like a big, like top knot and long black hair. And he is a very white man and he's doing a very racist sumo character. Uh, and he's about to fight Hulk Hogan in a church and Hulk Hogan does that thing where he slams on one end of a pew and it launches up and he knocks did. him out at the he other end. He was mocking the crane kick from Karate Kid. That's right. Oh, yeah. So he put Hulk his hands Hogan, up and went, <laughs> Yeah. Hulk Hogan also Hulk Hogan is like into the racism weirdly because he does the karate kick. He does the uh, Karate Kid crane kick like you mentioned and he does he, he's basically matching a beat for beat uh, as far as the racist impression goes. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that is so out of place watching it in 2020 uh, like that. And the car chase where a guy is shooting paintball guns at a police officer and suffering no consequences. Those are the two things that place this movie so far out of modern day reality. I think those are the things that like, uh, really establishes as a world unto itself this movie times were different in the 90s it was okay then yeah and that was worse you know what's not worse is our sponsor Tadaro's pizza north market street downtown greenville and their clemson location be sure if you're on campus out there check out the best pizza around uh, Monday nights, you get a $5 off a large pizza. Wednesday nights, dollar slice. Now you can't beat that. And definitely check out their lunch specials as well. Some of the best wings in town as well. I always get wings and just some meatballs if I'm doing like a low-carb dish day, at least when I lie to myself as low-carb. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely check that out. Tadaro's Pizza, North Market Street in downtown Greenville, South Carolina, and in Clemson, South Carolina as well. I Buyers- love Tadaro's. I, I just got to say real quickly, Tadaro's uh, was my emergency backup dinner at my wedding a couple months ago and it was uh it was better than what we had planned originally we had no power we had to get a bunch of pizzas from our friend chris uh at tadaros and it was the best uh thing that ever could have happened so i just gotta give an extra shout out to tadaros for that yeah i i I remember hearing that story and i was kind of like this makes sense (laughs) yeah it was this goes like with with 2020 Mm-hmm. Like how you guys are always like going with the flow, you know, yeah. I was like, you know what? That makes sense. It was the most fitting and delicious thing that could have happened. Now we're going to move on to buy or sell. Instead of me asking questions, going back and forth, man, is we're going to make statements. And then one of us is going to take the side of either buying the statement and providing the proof on why we believe in the statement. The other must provide the sell and why they think they don't believe in the statement as well. Okay. I buy think I sell. understand. Buy or sell number one. Clint Howard is the same character in all his movies. Dude, yeah. With the exception of maybe like Apollo 13, where he's a slightly more serious character. In every other one, he's just like a total goofball clown. You know what I mean? I was like, as soon as I saw him, as soon as I saw his name in the credits, I was like, oh man, fucking Clint Howard's going to be in this. Like, holy shit. He's just such an interesting like guy to look at and an interesting physical performer and stuff like that, that I was like, well, at least I'll be like engaged with whatever he's doing. But then I looked back through his IMDb filmography just on a lark. And I was like, man, yeah, this guy in all these roles that I can remember him in, he's very 
uh, similar in a way that I don't, and then in the way that I enjoy, I, I, I kind of like what he brings to a movie, you know, even if it's just being Ron Howard's brother. So you, you bought the statement. Yeah. So yes, I buy, he's the same character in every movie and I'm okay with that. I'm going to, I'm going to sell. It's mm-hmm. a hard, it's, it's a, it's a very weak sell, <laughs> but as I'm going through his IMDB here, um he's he's i don't understand this i don't want to sound mean towards clint howard but i'm very jealous for the fact that a man that looks like clint howard gets so many roles mm-hmm. and i i think i'm a decent looking person compared to clint howard and i've had no roles except for a couple of youtube commercials <laughs> to that i say he clearly has something going on mm-hmm. and because of that, for some reason, over the past four or five decades he's been acting, he's been consistent having at least two to three roles every year. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard, it's, it's, it's a weak sell for me because there's too many roles to go through, but I can't imagine he plays the buffoon in every single thing that he's been in. <laughs> you, you're just selling because... The math. Uh, it's just math. I'm just trying to just use the math here. Gotcha. Okay, I see. He is a very interesting guy. He's a very interesting person to look at. And in Hollywood, that's one of the two things you can be is either really attractive or really interesting to look at. And he is the latter. Yeah, he's the ultimate ladder. He's he's the ladder that gives people hope. So <laughs> buyer sale number two, rejected geniuses always find a way to unite for a common evil. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to put that gosh how many like bad guys have you seen uh in action movies who were like i had the cure figured out but they didn't want to listen to me or you know i i figured out the next great scientific achievement but i was too radical for them or something like that and that's their bad guy origin story it happens all the time uh uh, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I just saw it, and just re- just thinking about recent movies, it's still a trope. I think in Wonder Woman, it was there. Uh, same kind of thing. Uh, spurned scientist turns evil. I would say a hundred percent of the time. I, I, I it's, it's again, you put me in a hard position to sell this because the question is the the, the statement is rejected. Geniuses always find a way to unite. It's more that. There's someone who's always watching and waiting in the wing to unite them and paying them an absurd amount mm. of money for very little promise. I say, I Yet, say, I will sell it only because I truly don't believe there were geniuses in this movie, even though they were said to be geniuses. Because mm-hmm. one, we said earlier, the one head genius made threats and got into fights with no weapon, mm-hmm. the other guy just stinks, and then the other one, like was like a electrified supervillain from like a B movie. <laughs> so I'm only selling because they're not really geniuses, but in general, mm-hmm. yes, they always find each other somehow. I totally, I, I, I can totally see why you would sell. I'm already regretting being on the record as saying scientists can easily turn evil in 2020. Things don't go the way, man. <laughs> Number three, it's not a true Hulk Hogan movie unless he wears the bandana. It's true. He's got to wear the bandana. Do you think he was wearing a hairpiece in this, by the way? He must have been, right? Like, did it look like a wig to you? We'll get to that in a second, but it was oh, weird okay. seeing his non-traditional hairpiece. But yes, I do think in every, in any movies, and he's got to wear the bandana. I mean, he's got to wear the bandana everywhere to protect that big, that big bald head of his. Uh, but in the movies, he's got to wear a bandana. He's got to wear. He's got to ride a motorcycle. I think those are the two things in the Hulk Hogan movies that I've seen have been constants, more or less. Bandana, motorcycle. He usually wears a pair of jeans with boots over the jeans, like cowboy boots. That's another thing. But bandana, yes, a numero uno. I want to sell because I'm looking at the at the. Uh the poster for suburban commando with the greats hulk hogan christopher lloyd and shelly duvall mm-hmm. and that he plays an interstellar hero from a distant world who visits earth and tries to fit in with a mundane yet suburban family 
It's a 4.5, oh which is slightly higher than Santa on Muscles. But that being said, he's wearing a headband in this. Mm. Uh, I don't remember that, that him wearing a, a bandana in Rocky Three as Thunderlips. That's true, but he had more hair then. See, that was younger. That was '80s Hogan, early '80s Hogan. I think you know that was before he was even the huge star that he would become in wrestling. You know that might have been pre-Dana. And then I'm trying to remember in oh Three Ninjas, Three Ninjas High oh. Noon. At Mega Mountain, which came out two years after this, he also had a full head of hair, but the similar haircut. Oh hair. my gosh. It must have been a wig. Because I know, I know for for sure late 90s Hogan was like bald as a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like that's that's by then he was uh Hollywood Hogan, you know, and Hollywood Hogan was super bald. Yeah, this this movie came out the same year he turned heel. Like this movie breaks kayfabe in so many regards. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. Uh, I mean, in its defense, though, it looks like it could have been filmed like 10 years earlier. Like the, the footage quality is pretty crappy on this movie. And w- one other thing I want to add, you brought up Suburban Commando and I've never seen Suburban Commando, but uh, it's got a similar thing to uh, Santa with muscles in that what you just described as the movie sounds way different than when I thought suburban commando would be about and Santa with muscles is so much different than I thought Santa with muscles would be. I thought it was going to be, have you seen that shitty Goldberg movie about Santa that he made called Santa's sleigh? No, it's a shitty, it's like a B movie slasher flick where Goldberg plays Santa Claus and he's the bad guy. He's the monster of the movie. He's killing people on his naughty list, more or less. That's the premise of the movie. I thought it was going to be along those lines in that he actually was Santa Claus, and it turns out Santa Claus just isn't a big jolly guy, and we were wrong about that. But it turns out to be this whole crazy amnesia story and everything like that, and I just never had guessed that that was going to be the deal from what I had you know, come to understand about the movie, which was very little, I suppose. Speaking of very little, number four, Byerzell, the Dare program shirt is the epitome of the 90s. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, you know, wearing a Dare shirt in a mall that already looks like it's going to go out of business is the most 90s thing you can do. You know what I mean? The Dare shirt, God. I mean, it's if, if there was a flag of the 90s, it would just be the Dare logo, I think. When I saw that shirt, it, it excited me. It also excited mm. the irony of like this dude wearing this like anti-drug shirt for justice is robbing a children's bank thing in front of a woman who's constantly sleeping and is like the biggest sound sleeper in the world. Mm-hmm. By the way, I found another movie poster with that same haircut, The Ultimate <laughs> Weapon, starring Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah. my gosh. Dude, he looks so awkward with a gun. And he also runs a few times in this movie and it's very awkward. You know, you can just tell he only knows how to run down entrance ramps. He can't run on flat ground like a normal person. You know, he only knows that big lumbering run with his arms still kind of at his sides. Yeah, he doesn't have the Tom Cruise training with the high knees. No, he can he's not a sprinter. Buyer cell number five, Santa with muscles predicted the pandemic before with Ebner Frost. There was a quick scene. <laughs> Where the but his butler, I think, handed him a letter and mm-hmm. immediately like disinfected spray, saying, Do you know how many germs are on a letter and how many they can be passing around? I was like, Holy <laughs> shit, he knew <laughs> that is one of the few ways that this uh, uh, movie is actually somehow prescient. But uh, I'm gonna sell anyway. I think uh, this is just another classic 90s thing where, in order to make a villain hateable. We have to give him a thing, you know, we have to give him some sort of like uh, character flaw or something like that, that people find annoying. And I'm not saying anybody's wrong for being OCD about germs, but that's certainly how they wrote this movie to be. Uh, you know what I mean? That's why I'm going to sell. I think this is just another example of like shitty 90s trope, uh, you know, about a, you know, uh, a, a character trait that doesn't really deserve all that much hate. 
Well, then I have to buy it because, I mean, he was wearing that hazmat suit at the end. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, I just don't think, I, did, I don't think this was, uh, 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 covid related i think this was just more 90s stupidity and that's what we know this movie is capable of i don't think they're capable of that much 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 foresight look covid's been around before before we knew it by the way thank god the vaccine is finally out for those who need it those who are frontline workers and high-risk folks god i want to get back to a normal sometime soon but that being said ebner frost knew what he was doing next statement (laughs) This is the one you've been wanting. This is the one you've been waiting for. Short hair Hulk Hogan is a completely different man. So different. Oh my God. The like, there are a couple scenes where he's given off like legit, like dad energy, like nineties dad energy. Uh, And I mean, it's not just the short hair. It's not just the fact that he actually has hair on the top of his head. It's also the fact that, and I don't know if you noticed this, he doesn't have the handlebar mustache. He's got a classic upper lip mustache. I mean, uh, is that, am I wrong? Right. Am I no. misremembering? No, you got it. That like his look his iconic look is so much different. You can tell he's really, you can tell he's really diving into this role and really trying to commit to the character work because he's willing to change himself physically for it. That's the kind of dedication as an actor that Hulk Hogan's portraying here. Uh, <laughs> No, but he's it, he's very different. Uh, you you can only tell uh, that it's still Hulk Hogan by the uh, you know baby blue eyes and the twenty four inch pythons, like you mentioned. I'm gonna sell because the hair is that what makes him different. It's his acting ability that makes him so different. Look at all <laughs> these great hits. All right, no holes barred. Uh, <laughs> Rocky three, I mentioned suburban commander. Gremlins two. He, I mean, he played himself, but an exaggerated version of himself. Huh? Uh, mm. well, you mentioned No Holds Barred. We should uh, uh, give a shout out uh, to rest in peace to uh, Tiny Lister, who just passed away this week. Uh, you know, most fans will remember him as Debo. Zeus. From, yeah, yeah, Debo and Zeus from uh, No Holds Barred. And I believe a WrestleMania or Survivor Series, he wrestled a couple matches for WWE. Great guy. Shout out to my friend Jason Martin in Nashville on Fox Sports Radio. If you are listening to me, I still double down that you need to name your firstborn son who's coming in 2021 after Tiny Lesser Zeus and name him Debo. Debo Martin <laughs> is a mwah name. It's a tough name. Yeah. I'm going to second Andrew's call to name your dog Debo. Number seven. Lenny doesn't have to do a lot if he's got this much time to screw around with Blake. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you'd think this is his busy season, right? If he's a guy who primarily works as a mall elf, you would have, you would think that he would be super busy, but I guess, you know, he must assume that, uh, uh, Blake is going to be his meal ticket. He's going to get that money out of the fingerprint ATM eventually, you know, uh, but yeah, he must not have a lot going on if he can just do this, no problem. He is invested. He like just dropped everything. Like, I don't know if he's married or if he has roommates looking for him. Yeah. Like he's just like all in. On yeah. This. The will they won't they between Lenny and Santa Claus Hulk Hogan is pretty palpable throughout this movie. And ultimately they buy the bad guy's house and start their own orphanage inside what was his former house. So they're, you know, they're, they're partners in that way. They're partners in opening and running an orphanage together. It's a very, it's a very George Lenny dynamic that I would pay to see a sequel with. <laughs> that honestly is a really good comparison for how they are in this movie. I already mentioned how good of a head injury actor Hulk Hogan is. Number eight, too much work was put into the fake audio message to Blake. So there was a the part where... It's like that pivotal point in the movie, right? Where like the Avengers, they fail. Now they have to regroup somehow. Mm. Blake's failure is he gets his memory back. He wakes up after falling into a trash truck and wakes up back at his home because someone recognized him, like they said, Mm -hmm. only to call the orphanage to talk to, I can't remember her name, Jennifer maybe. Anyway, calls her up and 
they're the goons who are outside the orbit on the telephone line that reroute the line to their house. And all the guys playing is a recording that he had shoved in his mouth earlier, by the way, by Blake. Um, yeah. Very forceful and weird. And it plays that uh, doesn't want to see him again. Stay away, blah, blah, blah. And like a very bad, just like a skippy, you know, like that. Yes. Remind yeah. me of like Home Alone 2 with the Walkman. Yes. Yeah. So I, I mentioned before the movie that I forgot to compare this to is I mentioned before there's some E.T. parallels. There are some moments that feel like the Goonies, but sort of the, the third act of combat with the kids really feels like home alone. Like uh, they really feel like they're trying to make this, give this thing some home alone moment moments with the pranks and the ways they like take out the bad guys. Uh, but the, to answer your question specifically, yeah, way too much work goes into this like shitty fake phone call. I believe the shot, it pans down onto like the telephone uh, pole where one of the bad guys has climbed up is I think in a disguise maybe. And he's messing with the wires and intercepting signals, passing a wire down to the other three bad guys who are hooking it up to other stuff. And then ultimately it comes out to a phone, which the other bad guy, like you said, is just holding a tape recorder up to why do all the work with the, the, the phone line. I don't understand what is, what it's supposed to be happening there. Uh, but it's just all too much work for, ultimately a confusing and meaningless payoff as much work as that was put into i can't imagine the work to replace a cell phone from 1996 he had that classic zach morris <laughs> flip phone that he crushes with his bare hands after dealing with the anger of being misled uh yes yeah uh i mean insane this 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 guy just crushes a 90s cell phone with his bare hand. Those things were tanks. Yeah, they, they were, were the, those things they were, were dense. They were like like heavier than like Nokia phones. Yes, yeah, and just built. Those things were like, you know, literal bricks, you know. I don't think you could just break one like that. Maybe Hulk Hogan could, but I I just I don't see it happening in reality. Christmas cookies, candy cane, plum pudding is a hell of a bribe. Oh my God, plum pudding. That was my favorite line in the whole movie where the guy said, you know, he's trying to bribe these little kids and he's saying, I'll give you cookies and candy, which are like, okay, uh, things that kids want and I'll give you plum pudding. And I was like, oh my God, are they just going to let that go? But no, luckily one of the kids says, gross. <laughs> yeah. we, plum pudding sounds terrible. Like you might've had us with cookies and candy. But if you're going to, which, and what he's trying to bribe them to do is open a vault to precious jewels and then become manual labor for them in that moment. I believe he even gave them little hard hats and little chisels right away. Can you imagine working at a mine in exchange for plum pudding? Fuck that. Like, yeah, you hit it on the head. Like maybe the first two candy cane and cookies, but it's like the plum pudding is like, well, okay, that's overboard there. Like you, <laughs> you have no idea what children are in, in general. Yes. Plum pudding was your like, seal there right uh last hot uh buyer sell this is the one that means everything here we talked about a little bit but i really want to break it down now the revelation of blake and ebner's connection is completely unneeded yeah absolutely not like especially in light of how the movie ends right the on, like the only way you justify that kind of reveal is to like make them friends again in the end. You know what I mean? I feel like that's what always happens when you reveal those sort of like connections between your good guy and bad guy. You know, you re you reveal their uh, father and son in Star Wars or, you know, brothers in like uh, another modern example is that uh, Ben Affleck movie, The Accountant. There's a twist where a guy is revealed to be another guy's brother and what they were fighting on opposite sides. The only way that like the, the reason to do that is to ultimately make them friends again at the end. They do not do that in this movie. They established that these guys were childhood best friends and you'd think he's going to appeal to his humanity and his childhood memories but no, he just gets locked away in a stinky jail car uh, with all the other bad guys. You know, he, he, he's a bad guy and he stays bad. They don't appeal to his humanity. And I, I feel like if he really was trying to be more like Santa Claus, that's what he would do is try to appeal to the good nature in these guys. It, it, it's totally crazy. You don't need it in the movie whatsoever. It doesn't, it doesn't add anything and it doesn't change the outcome. Get rid of it. 
I sell. It is needed <laughs> because otherwise, what would Garrett Morris have anything else in this movie to do? Except That's for being like a little wisecracky, like Bagger Vance kind of, you know, vibe. <laughs> but the fact that he had this like, I know who you are. Look over here. I was like, what? Did they just do this? Did they just do the, the trope of all tropes? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And you're right. I that's a total that's a very fair point. Without this, Garrett Morris uh does nothing and the whole rest of his role doesn't make any sense in the movie anymore. Because he's he he knows about the Hulk Hogan thing and he's hinting at it throughout the movie. I guess if you reveal this twist, you have to remove Garrett Morris, and that's not a price I'm willing to pay. And like the ill-timed just like revelation of it because like you uh, knew who he was when he woke up the next morning in your house you knew yes. exactly who the hell he was but you didn't say anything yes you totally could have revealed this you know sooner i probably uh especially after he gets his memory back like you gotta communicate that uh and like you know that could change the whole course of uh, uh this movie but uh it just doesn't happen that way and it's it's worse for it Oh man, uh, I think I think we broke down everything we could say here with Santa with muscles. Any any other lasting thoughts with Santa with muscles? No, just if you know if you're looking to watch something absolutely ridiculous and to just make fun of, uh, you know, maybe make a drinking game out of it or something. Uh, oh, you know what? One other thing we did mention: there's a scene where. Santa Claus and Hulk Hogan and his full Santa Claus regalia sings with a little girl and like the sky changes colors. You know, there's some sort of weird magical moment. We didn't even touch on that, but try to make this like a drinking game movie or something like that with your family. If you, if, if you're lucky enough to spend Christmas with your family this year, uh, you know, make it into a drinking game. That's the best way to enjoy it. I think don't, you know, don't, don't pursue this like it's a scholarly event or anything like that. It's a really dumb movie. You'll probably laugh at it a little bit, uh, uh, or it might just give you a headache. Uh, it did a little bit of both for me. The only plus side is that this movie is free to access. If you have voodoo TV downloaded as an app, and if you have a walmart.com account, then you can watch it for free with no membership, no hitches. It's just it's just an app service that has ads in it. So if you can deal with ads, you can have it for free. That was the weirdest thing of like, what does Walmart have to do with Voodoo? Like, did somebody at an executive at Walmart <laughs> sit around and say, hey, you know how we have that shitty $2 DVD bin? What if, follow me here, what if we had a digital streaming service that we are partners with that had those same shitty movies to bring those customers loyal to us and associate that with us. So they don't forget that we also have shitty movies. Huh? Yeah. It was so weird seeing like, cause I'm at this point, I'm used to seeing on websites, log in with Google, log in with Facebook, log in with your Apple ID or something like that. I have never seen log in with your Walmart account before. And I think when I pulled it up, I, I said out loud, like in front of my laptop, I was like, what the fuck? But I guess, I guess it's kind of cool. I guess if I ever get a Walmart membership, I'll keep that in mind. Cause there have been a couple other movies that we've done on, on the podcast that I think were on voodoo and nowhere else. So that might be good to know. Voodoo is uh, um, worth it because it's free. So. It's also, it's guys, it's like 86 minutes long. Like it's a breeze. It's a pretty, it won't feel like it when it's on, but it's actually a pretty quick watch. Yes. It just one of those things, all the notes we've said here, it's entertaining in the point of you enjoy a bad movie. It's got everything you need here. So mm -hmm. it's got Santa, all the shit. It's got all the shit. Santa with <laughs> muscles recommended by Amanda Clancy. Watch it on Voodoo. Uh, this will be coming out this week, right before Christmas. We do have one more Christmas episode coming out to which we are. Uh, I, I vote that we do a decent Christmas movie up to you. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm in the mood for some actual holiday cheer and, you know, decent direction and writing. All right. So we'll, we'll deal with a dead Santa. I believe we throw out the premise of the Santa Claus. So. Oh yeah, that's right. That that uh, that's definitely an option. Unless you sure. definitely want to do the Bill Goldberg Santa movie. <laughs> yeah, 
you know what? That would be thematically on point, but I don't know if my body can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> be on the lookout for that episode coming soon. Listen to us anything that you've already hearing on Voices Zone, whether it be Apple, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Echo, all the rest there. We're Castbox. We're on it. Give us a subscribe. Give us a like. Give us a review. So we can keep doing more episodes. We're approaching a hundred episodes. Two-year anniversary coming up in March. Very excited about that. It can't have been done without the help of Manis. You've always been a fun co-host. So looking forward to doing another episode with you soon and more in 2021. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for being on, dude. And um, this has been Sandwood Muscles.